And the reality is we have to really balance having a joyful life today and preparing for our future. Now that's not easy. I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's easy. It's very challenging, but I think that a lot of advisors are so focused on that retirement date, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, that they forget uh, that some people don't make it. Welcome to the Teacher Money Show, the podcast dedicated to helping teachers navigate your unique financial challenges and unlock your financial superpowers. I'm your host, Sean Morgan, a full-time teacher. That's right, I teach every day just like you and personal financial coach. And I'm here to help every teacher, whether you're a seasoned teacher looking for fresh insights or a new educator navigating your first paycheck, have a richer wallet, classroom, and life. The contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. And neither I nor my guests are engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should not act upon this information without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. I'm super excited to have Lawrence Larry Sprung, CFP, which is a certified financial planner uh, on our show today. He is a husband, father, entrepreneur, author, and mental health advocate. He is the founder and wealth advisor at Midland Financial Inc., the author of the Amazon bestselling book, Financial Planning Made Personal, and host of the Midland Money Mindset. Uh, the Midland team helps families that uh, <clears throat> they serve design their future while planning for joy along the way. I love that. Planning for joy along the way, I think, is, is huge. And that's really what we're kind of talking about today is how to have the right mindset around your money so you can have joy around your money, so you can have uh, growth in your money by getting your mindset right. Welcome to the show, Larry. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I Yeah, like I said, I'm so excited to talk to you about this um, and I just can't wait. So let's dive right in. So you're a financial planner, okay? Yeah. Why would mindset matter so much to you instead of the cold, hard facts of the numbers of financial planning. Yeah, I, I think mindset is so important. And, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, people in our profession focus in so heavily on the numbers, you know, like you said, the cold hard facts, you know, how much money do I need to, to retire? How much money do I need to send for education? But when, when it comes down to it, if you don't have the right mindset, it makes it very difficult to be successful in those areas. And, you know, I equate it to a three-legged stool and, and those three legs are your physical health, your mental health, and your financial health. And they're totally interrelated and interconnected. And if you're failing or suffering in one of those areas, it makes it very difficult for you to be successful in another. So having the right mindset, you know, for us to lay out a game plan with a family, for example, right, and say that they need to save X number of dollars, they need to allocate in such and such a way to reach their goals. If, if their mindset's not right, even though those cold hard facts show them what they need to do or how they need to move forward to get there, if the mindset's not there, it's just not going to happen something's going to come up and they're they're not going to make that deposit or they're not going to feel like they're enjoying life today because they're putting away so much money for tomorrow. So I really think that mindset is really the key to unlocking 
your ability to be successful with your financial goals and objectives? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, I think this applies to, you know, physical health as well. Um, I mean, I recently started exercising and it's because my mindset was not in the place where it was that I thought I needed exercise. I was like, ah, it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm young. And I, I recently started exercising because my mindset has uh, shifted. And, you know, I've, I've known my whole life that exercise is good for you. That doesn't mean that I did it. You know, you can know something, but until your mindset gets to the spot where you are ready to accept it, you, you won't do it. And the same thing is for financial health. Like you, you can know, I mean, I've known my entire life, uh, a lot of these principles, because my dad was uh, able to teach them to me. Luckily, um, I didn't apply them very well. I was luckily naturally frugal, but uh, a lot of the principles still were not being applied just because I didn't have the right mindset until uh, a bit later in my life. So I think that that is 100% true. That mindset kind of needs to precede uh, the the other things because you won't do them unless you have the right mindset. You're exactly right. So if you are needing the right mindset, but you don't have it, there there's probably going to be some challenges that are you know a lot of people are facing. That's the reason why they don't have the right mindset. So what what are some common money mindset challenges that people face, especially teachers? You can talk about that and how can they begin to overcome them? Yeah, so I, I, I'll, I'll talk to mindset in, in general first and then uh, kind of narrow it down to uh, teachers uh, for the purpose of our conversation today. Um, you know, in, in terms of mindset, I think a lot of what we do and how we feel about money and, and the shaping of our mindset really comes from how we grew up seeing money handled, whether it was in our home, whether it was with family members, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt or uncle, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but a lot of those lessons and, and mindset that we absorb really comes from those points in time. And if you look at certain folks and you know we've had these experiences talking with families and as you start delving down into why they believe what they believe, a lot of times it's because of what they've learned. So it, it's really rewiring and, and getting yourself to understand and changing that mindset. Just like you mentioned before, how you shifted your mindset around exercise. Uh, similarly, you can do the same things around money. And I think what we have a tendency to do with exercise and with money similarly also is we expect that we have this mindset shift and then everything changes the next day. And it's not like that. I think you have to take more of the James Clear and Atomic Habits approach where you start working towards those goals, You know, look to become 1% better every day and you get those incremental increases or shift in your mindset and it's gonna be incredibly helpful. Uh, one of the things that I've seen with teachers in particular and just to you know, give your listeners a little background that I'm not just talking about, you know, observational. You know, my dad uh, was a New York City school teacher for about 40 years. He went to high school and then subsequently taught at the high school he went to uh, for a very long time. So, uh, and then my uncle was also a New York City school teacher for a very long time. So I, I come from a family of teachers, which. Uh, in a way, was kind of funny when I entered this profession. They thought I was crazy because they were like, "Wait, you're you're doing something? You don't get a pension? You know what? What do you mean? You don't you don't have an income when you retire? No, no, no. We got to build it ourselves." So um, that was a little bit of a mindset shift for them seeing me. And I think to to that point, 
Uh, that's a mindset that a lot of teachers have, right, is their pension, and rightfully so, is typically, uh, in many cases, their largest asset, okay? But at the same time, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be doing other things. There are other things to help augment, supplement what their retirement situation can and will be. And, you know, the other thing that I find is, you know, teachers, and I, I don't want to use a, a gross generalization, but, you know, this is from my experience of 20 plus years in this profession, plus family, a lot of teachers are somewhat hesitant to learning. You know, they, they feel like they have a situation where they're pretty well versed, they can go out and learn things on their own and do it themselves. And, you know, what we've seen over the years is some of them are very successful, some just simply because they've saved a lot of money, but maybe they could have been better with some advice and guidance. Um, and sometimes they're a little adverse to getting that education. And I think, you know, just like if I need to learn a skill, I'm going to hire a teacher or a coach to help me with that skill. You know, us as advisors are a similar fashion. We have a very, we, we've gone to school for a very long time for a specific skill and can be very helpful. And I guess the last thing I will say is, and I don't know if this applies to your question, but I want to, I want to fit it in here is I feel that teachers in particular, from a standpoint of options that are available for their retirement, their, their 403Bs, for example, through, through their school systems, I feel in many cases, I know here, especially in New York, uh, they're not really treated very well. And uh, what I mean by that is, if you look at the platforms that are available, the investment options that are available, they are very, a lot of them, not all of them, are very expensive. Uh, and I think our teachers deserve better. And a lot of them are commission-based products, not fiduciary-based products. Um, and I think that our teachers deserve more. They're doing some great work. They're teaching our next generations of, uh, of, of our family and of our country. And I think they deserve more than what their current offering is and the advice and guidance that they're getting from many of those individuals that uh, they're teamed up with through their um, you know, local school system. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's a whole organization, 403BYs, which is there to help teachers understand the 403B and you know avoid those more predatory 403B programs. Um, so you know, we have mindset is you know a problem. Obviously, a lot of a lot of people in general, and so a lot of teachers in general have a problem with their their money mindset. But you pair that with also having really terrible retirement options, right? Some people can be complete dunces with their retirement, but because their company does such a good job of taking care of them with, you know, the good, you know, fee structure programs, you know, good employee matches, things like that, that you don't even have to worry about it because the company kind of handles it. But since teachers have that 403B um, option and it's very, there's very little guidance on what one to choose. And there's uh, so many bad options out there it can be a real headwind. Uh, against uh, teachers in their financial situation, for sure. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, and Sean, I would also mention, I think that inherently teachers are trusting people, right, in general, and they trust their organization that they're working for, their administration, their, um, their school district, and there's an inherent level of trust that those people and those products or those platforms are the best. 
And I, you know, what I would encourage you is you're a teacher, you're curious, you know, you should have somebody look because you may have three or four different options or platforms available to you and they can be very different. Just because John or Jane or Joe is using X platform, it might be good for them, does not mean it's good for you. Uh, that's great advice. Make sure you do your own due diligence. The, just I, I've, I've harped on this before. The school does not do any due diligence on these yeah. programs. Like literally, there's a form for most districts that a provider can fill out and say, hey, we provide a 403B. Can we provide one for you? And the school says, sure. That's it. There, there's no checking to make sure that there's you know, a threshold being met for fees or, you know, a certain amount of fiduciary um, responsibility. The, the school just, anyone who wants to provide it almost can provide one for a teacher. So it, it does take us checking because the school has embedded it. You know, you, you can trust your school, but since they are not vetting that program for you, uh, you need to do your own uh, checks to make sure that it is the right option for you. And I love how you brought up having someone check it, right? Having a, a professional who is a fiduciary, someone who's going to be you know, loyal to your interests, that's what a fiduciary is, checking for you. I think that's a, that's a great piece of advice because you, know, you only have so many options, right? So having somebody who can help you find the right option is going to be well worth the cost um, of, of bringing that person on to help you in the long run. So we have some challenges. Now, what do we do to start, start, start trying to make that shift to become uh, someone with a, a, a more positive money mindset? What, what are some tips or some strategies or some things that we can do to try and shift our mindset to a more positive mindset? Yeah, so I think you have to start educating yourself, right? And I think a good first step is, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of uh, teachers, their first or their, their first two uh, uh, utilize their tools that they're utilizing for their retirement are their pension, which is somewhat automatic. Uh, and then secondly, you know, their 403B. So I think checking to make sure that that 403B is doing what it should be doing, that it's not costing you a fortune is very important because I, I think having that mindset of making sure that you're in the right place is good. And then I think you have to start exploring, well, are there other things that I need or should be doing? And educating and learning about what those other things are and see if they're a good fit for you. You know, one area where we separate ourselves from everybody else, I think, is, you know, when you mentioned about the joy. And I, I think a lot of folks in our, in our profession talk to families and teachers included about, you know, the nuts and the bolts, the, the numbers. And you know, they look at people's budgets and, oh, you should cut back this, you should cut back that and, and then put that money away. And if you don't pay that, you know, spend that $5 a day on that, uh, you know, commercial cup of coffee and you put that in a Roth IRA, you'd have X number of dollars in 20 or 30 years, whatever that may be. And the reality is we have to really balance having a joyful life today and preparing for our future. Now that's not easy. I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's easy, it's very challenging, but I think that a lot of advisors are so focused on that retirement date, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road that they forget uh, that some people don't make it, right? I mean, I'm a perfect example. My mom was diagnosed with cancer in her 30s. She passed away at the age of 47. Now, if she was working with an advisor, which they weren't, uh, that's one of the reasons why I do what I do, 
but if they were working with an advisor and they were helping her and my dad plan for their, you know, 60s and 70s, you know, what does that mean for her? If she was scrimping and scraping and not enjoying life, she never made it to that enjoyment. So I think what we have to do is, you know, shift that mindset for a lot of people, teachers included, and start looking at things from a standpoint of how do I set myself up financially so that I can enjoy things today while I'm living alive and well and healthy, uh, but also plan for my future that if and when I am still here at 65, 70 plus, that I'm not gonna have to continue working because I haven't saved appropriately. And it's a very fine balance and learning what is important to you and coming up with your why personally or for your family is a great way of beginning that mindset shift process. Because until you have a why, why am I doing this? Why am I saving this money? Why am I cutting my budget back? Until you have that why, it makes it very difficult to start shifting that mindset and that why is really that first stage in trying to uh, shift your money mindset. I love that. Coming up with a why is, is a huge thing. It's a huge for anything, right? Anything, having a, a reason behind it can really bring you uh, to where you need to be. <clears throat> and I think it's interesting what you said, you know, enjoying your life along the way. Like, let's say your, your why uh, is you want to be able to travel in retirement. If you do no traveling between now and retirement, is that really what your why is? Like, it just seems like, you know, like you're, you're, you're missing out on the opportunity to do what you love now if you only focus on that retirement date. So there is definitely a balance. You know, you need to have the funds to retire and live well when you retire. But if you only plan on doing anything fun after you've retired, uh, you're, you're going to miss out on a lot of wonderful life along the way. Yeah, I, I also I'm, I, I don't believe in the construct of retirement. I think it's kind of antiquated. Um, you know, I know that there typically has to be a retirement date for teachers to start collecting their pension. But to some degree, you know, you have to figure out, you know, if you're going to wait to travel to your 65, chances are you're the healthiest you're ever going to be today. You know, in most cases, you're not going to be healthier 10, 20 years from now than you are today. So why not enjoy some of those trips while you're in the healthiest and more physically fit than you ever are? You know, there's got to be a fine, you know, balance between the two, I think, as you mentioned. I think that's interesting. What do you mean by the, the construct of retirement? How, how do you not believe in that? What does that mean? Should people not retire? Should they keep working until they're, you know, 60, 70, 80 years old? Or, or what, what does that look like? Yeah. So, I, listen, I mean, retirement was really constructed in a way that was around Social Security when people were living, you know, till their 40s, you know, if they were lucky. So this concept of you work for whatever, 10, 20 years and then retire, most people weren't living much long, much to that retirement date or much past it. And now we're living much longer. We're living into our 70s and 80s in many cases. So, you know, the problem is that if you think about retirement, the way it's constructed is there's this whole concept that you're gonna go work for 20, 30, 40 years, retire, stop working, and then you get to enjoy life. And that's kind of like the mentality, the mindset. And I, I don't believe in that. I think that life is there to be lived and enjoyed uh, throughout all those years, whether you're working or not. Um, and, you know, retiring is not for everyone. It's not the right solution for everyone. I think many people 
set themselves up and, and create this retirement date in mind that they're going to retire, but they don't prepare themselves. They might prepare themselves financially for that, but they don't prepare themselves mentally or socially in many cases. So what you see a lot of times are people go to work 20, 30, 40 years, you know, their, their family is their work. Their family, you know, is they're with them for a lot of time, effort and energy during the day. And then they retire and they lose that sense of purpose. So you really have to, you know, do a good job, not only preparing financially in those 10, 15 years prior to retirement, but also prepare yourself mentally and socially as far as what you're going to do with those extra 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Because, you know, I think a lot of people are working longer now. And the impression is that they're working longer because they need the money. And don't get me wrong, there are certainly people that are working later in life that that's the case for, but there also is a large group of the population that they don't want to retire because they find meaning, purpose, and enjoyment out of going to work every day. So if we could figure out a way, or our families can figure out a way to have work-life harmony where they're having enjoyment while they're working, then really why is there a need to stop working at any point in time unless you have to? want to or financially are able to and you have those uh, mental and social constructs in place that you can you know fill those gaps of those 40 or 50 hours a week with so that that's what i mean by uh, i'm not I, I don't believe in the concept of retirement anymore yeah I, I think that that's very powerful i think that's probably one of the most powerful mindset shifts uh, i mean the number one killer they say is retirement because people retire and they they do nothing and then they, they die because there's there's nothing, no purpose anymore, right? Um, you know, you have to retire to something. Are you retiring to a, another job? Are you retiring to volunteer work? Are you retiring to, uh, you know, work on a book that you've been planning on writing? There's, there needs to be some sort of activity, some sort of purpose, some sort of drive uh, for your life, even in retirement, I, I, especially in retirement. Um, and I think that's a huge mindset shift. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Uh, so in, in education, just speaking of mindset and education, we have this thing where we're always talking to our students about, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure every school in the nation has a poster up that says fixed mindset and growth mindset on it. Uh, it's just, it's a huge thing. Everyone's talking about it. You need to, have to go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And we're always telling our students, you need a growth mindset. And then we don't have a growth mindset in our, our personal life and our finances, right? In our, we have a, a fixed mindset, at least in, in my uh, view of things. So can you talk about these ideas and how it applies to our finances? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge benefit to having that growth or what I call abundance mindset. And that comes into, you know, into a number of different ways, right? It could be just simply learning, could be educating yourself, it could be collaborating with people who are seemingly potential competitors to you. Um, but, you know, I, I don't see anybody as a competitor to us. I, I see people as collaborators. I think we have the ability to learn from everybody around us. Um, what, what I see is, unfortunately, when, you, when we look at individuals who work in, you know, public service, whether that be you know, uh, medicine, you know, in a hospital or system or, or a, a teacher, an educator or police officer or a fireman, 
you know, they have a tendency, these, these constructs have a tendency to institutionalize us. You know, we, we get in a way, like we talked about earlier, where we feel comfortable within the framework of our, of our district, our administration. We feel comfortable within the framework of our police department. And we rely on that community to help educate us. And when it comes to finance, that's a very difficult, challenging, and perhaps very detrimental mindset to have because finance is very personal. And what I'm doing for my family and what I need to do for my family may be very different than what you need to do for your family, Sean. And unfortunately, because we're very similar and we're a homogeneous population, we tend to rely on each other and have that fixed mindset. And I think that that's very dangerous because we may find ourselves, if we go through life in that uh, framework the entire time, uh, we, may, we may end up in a situation where we're, you know, our situation, we're not um, where we need to be when the time comes. So I think that you have to break out of that uh, fixed mindset and have an abundance mindset and take in other information, other advisors, other people who can get personal with you and a personalized approach. Uh, you know, just give you an example. I was talking to somebody the other day who's who's an educator and, you know, they said, oh, you know, I'm putting in, uh, my, my employer's not matching anything. I'm putting in 5% of my pay. And uh, is that enough? And I said, well, where did you come up with the 5% of pay? Well, I talked to three of my friends who are teachers, also educators, and that's what they're doing. So I figured we're okay. I'm like, well, are they all married like you are? Are they all, you know, looking to see, live the same lifestyle that you are in retirement? And we started asking some of those thought provoking questions. And basically it came down to, they should probably be allocating or deferring a lot more than they are but they felt like they were in the same situation because they were in the same profession. And I think that's the challenge with a fixed mindset and you definitely need to have an abundance mindset. And that works within you know, the, the education system, the police, the fire, you know, it, it works anywhere. I just find in those professions, we have a tendency because we're around you know, what we consider uh, colleagues all day long, same level situations, that our financial situations are all the same. And that's kind of deadly when it comes down to finance and having a fixed mindset. So you definitely want to have that abundance mindset. Yeah, that's a it's a great insight. I've never equated fixed mindset with this kind of like group think idea where you know you just kind of go into the same mold as everybody else. But I think that's that's really true. I mean, especially it's especially detrimental when you know the group you're in has a negative mindset right you know it can, it can be beneficial when they have a, a more positive uh, mindset um but you know like the, the problem and and i always call these people the ducks at uh, school right the, the ones that sit around in the lunchroom and just kind of kind of quack about their problems uh you know they're they complain there there's not enough money like, you know there's no way we can we can retire the pension's not going to be there they just throw all these like negative comments out there and if you sit there and listen to it you start to believe it you're not going to go out there and seek that education. You're not going to go out there and and uh, figure out what you can do to take control of your your own finances. And I think that that's you know huge. It's just like you said, educating yourself. Um, 
and kind of breaking that mold of the people around you. Yeah. And let's be clear, Sean, this is not something that's unique just to teachers. It's really across the board everywhere. We see that we see that in, you know, uh, fixed mindset with regard to neighbors, you know, uh, you know, I'm doing this because I talked to three of my neighbors and they're doing this. So it must be right. Well, do you know their financial situation? Most people, you know, aren't really a hundred percent forthright about where they are financially. So that's why it's so important to get that personalized approach and, and kind of guidance for you and your family. So, you know, it, it's not really just unique to them. It's, it's across the board and it's a, it's a challenge that we run into very often. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's even worse with like social media because people post the best things on social media. And you're like, oh, they're doing this. So I should do that. No. Okay. Right. You don't know their situation. Make sure you just handle your own personalized advice uh, instead of following what somebody, what you think somebody else is doing, which is probably not what they're actually uh, doing. So we've been talking about the importance of having an abundance mindset or a, you know, just positive money mindset in general. Can we just speak more explicitly on what the benefits are to somebody who has this positive money mindset shift? Yeah, well, I mean, if you have a positive money mindset, you know, it will help you be more proactive uh, in terms of working towards your goals. And you usually find more success as a result of that positive money mindset, because what it's going to do is it's going to allow you and make you feel comfortable and, and kind of push you to find the right information for you and your family. And, you know, I think one thing that we see very often is, you know, and, and I see this very often in particular with, with teachers and those that have uh, pension type systems is they feel that the pension or believe that the pension's going to be enough for them when they retire. And they don't feel the need to put together a financial plan. So if you have a positive money mindset, you really want to know, hey, where am I going to lie uh, in my financial life when all said and done if I want to reach these goals? So having that positive money, money mindset will allow you to explore that and perhaps engage with a fiduciary advisor, like you said earlier, and put together that plan and see, maybe that pension will be enough for you and your family. Some will, some won't. Maybe it won't. Maybe there are other things. So it just helps you explore what other options are out there uh, and what other abilities you may have to work towards whatever goals you and your family are looking to accomplish. And then it makes it feel you feel good about it, right? Like when we were talking before about the budget, you know, maybe that $5 cup of coffee, maybe for you and your family, maybe you get a lot of joy out of that. And maybe it's fine as long as you've budgeted for it. Maybe it's fine that you're spending that on coffee. Maybe you don't have to worry about plugging that into a Roth IRA or some other investment vehicle or savings account. Uh, and then others, maybe they're not getting joy from that cup of coffee and would be better served. Uh, maybe they're just getting it out of habit and, and kind of going through the motions. And when they have their positive money mindset, they come to the realization that that's the case. And if they cut that out, their life would be no different. It doesn't detract any joy from their life. In that person's case, it may make sense to take those funds and direct them somewhere else. So I think having that mindset really just opens you up to evaluating and looking at things a little bit differently uh, from a higher level in terms of making sure and helping that you're working towards the future that you want for you and your family. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. that that's fantastic. So we're, we're wrapping up now. I just got two more questions for you. The same questions I ask all of my guests. First of all, what is your number one tip 
for teachers to have a richer wallet, classroom, and life. Yeah, so I, I think, again, you know, making sure that you're paying attention to those three legs of the stool. Make sure you're paying attention to your financial, you know, health, your mental health, and your physical health. And you, you know, like you said, you just started figuring out that you need to, you know, you want to exercise more. These are three areas that you have to start focusing on from the very beginning. And if you do those three things and you have that abundance mindset that we're talking about, it's going to make for a richer life for you personally, physically, mentally, and financially. It's going to be make for a better family life. And that's ultimately going to spill over into the classroom and your students are going to be able to sense that you have this aura about you because your physical, mental and financial health are, uh, you know, are thriving. And they're going to basically glean off that. And I think your classroom ends up a much better environment as a result, too. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, last question, then how can teachers get in contact with you? Sure. I mean, the easiest way is, uh, you know, just go to our website, midlandfinancial.com. You can uh, connect with us there. We have a bunch of free downloadable resources. You could check out our podcast, Midland Money Mindset. And then there's also a link to financialplanningmadepersonal.com, which is our book. Uh, you can download two chapters for free before you commit to either buying the audio or the, uh, the print version. That's awesome. That sounds like a, a great uh, free resource for people that want to check that out. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Larry. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Sean. Enjoy your day. If you'd like to come on the podcast for coaching, to share an expert opinion, or just to talk about a topic you think is relevant, I'd love to talk to you. Just fill out the form at teachermoneyshow.com slash guest. I look forward to talking with you.